What's your carnal theory? Hey there, you're listening to Carnal Theory, where we talk with experts from around the world to learn how taking command of our sexual story affects our personal wellness, sexual experiences, and relationships with ourselves and others. Hi everyone, I'm Abba. And I'm Amanda. And today on Carnal Theory, we're sitting down with Kritia, a kink practitioner, BDSM expert, an educator, an artist, a businesswoman, and so much more. She's the co-founder of both Karata House and the new educational platform, Oh Yes Please, which we will be digging into definitely more so in the next few minutes. Um, welcome, Kritia. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to chat with us. Thank you for inviting me, uh, Amanda and Abba. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. Definitely our pleasure. Um, Kritia, as, as we've discussed and as our listeners know, we like to start our show by asking you to, to tell our listeners what the carnal theory is that you've brought for our consideration today. And as a reference for, for new listeners, carnal theory, it's meant to be something that maybe challenges a presumption or a perception that we might have. And we're going to talk about it now. We'll have some conversation around it and talk about lots of other things that, um, that she's up to and then uh, get into and, and then reflect upon it again at the end of the show, just to see if maybe even during the episode our our presumptions or perceptions might have changed already based upon what we talked about. So please, what have you brought for us today? So uh, my carnal theory for you all is uh, consent is enthusiastic consent is sexy and desirable. It snaps all around first off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can you, whenever possible, I'd like to help make sure like everybody starts off on like a foundational like understanding where we're at of where of what is meant can you tell us what enthusiastic consent is versus like regular consent um so i think the best way i can i can talk with regard to enthusiastic consent is that hell yes that really in the body really everything about uh, your yes is like juicy and interesting and engaged and curious and excited uh, and not this uh, yeah okay that we often like settle for because actually there's a lot of either a no that we're not comfortable giving or there's a lot of maybes or conditions that come uh, with that maybe or that no Instead of being like, actually, no, thank you. It sounds like a fun thing, but right now it doesn't fit for me. doesn't feel comfortable for a lot of people. Do you feel that that should always be verbal or do you feel that nonverbal enthusiastic consent also exists? Um, so I think, I think definitely nonverbal enthusiastic consent exists. However, it can be a little bit more problematic. Because what you're saying yes to, right, is not as clear. So I think what you need before you can give it in a nonverbal way is to have had a conversation with the other person in the first place to be able to then like understand, okay, my consent is going to be in this form. 
and that's what we've agreed and this is what it looks like and then from there yeah of course um but i think what happens is often especially when we're talking about uh sex sexuality related topics we don't like to have conversations because we think that's going to take something away from the experience our impression is that if we talk about it it makes it less interesting it's going to be less engaging if people know about it like it's got to somehow be secret and i'm like yeah no let's not make it secret let's really talk about it let's engage with it let's really understand what it is that is interesting to us that's, that's really there you know as opposed to guessing and trying to figure out and feeling really bad when it doesn't work because it doesn't meet your expectation because you had an expectation yeah no <laughs> let's not do that let's really genuinely engage in the conversation about what is interesting to us you know regardless of what the conversation is i'm going to make yeah. an assumption and say that we that we're on the same page with this but tell me if you don't i would say that people well first off people don't ask for consent because we're not taught to ask for consent and then all the points that you just mentioned i think like underline why or why and when even people who know that like consent is really important and maybe they even look for it it's like this like oh shit but if i do it then like maybe i won't look masculine enough or feminine enough or whatever the hell enough that that they think they're supposed to are there do, yeah. do you do you have some tools or like conversation starter of like here's a way to approach the conversation that like either still makes it sexy or still makes it um like, like take some of the pressure off maybe i think i think first of all we need to all understand that we're human <laughs> uh and that we have different ideas so my version of um so for example let's go with my topic so my thing is kink and BDSM, right? And I think it's safe to say that the majority of people's vision of kink and BDSM is completely different to mine. So I'm not into black leather. I'm not into like this very stark, uh, very um, traditional way of looking at kink and BDSM. I'm very much looking at the connection what it does to my body um what it does to my emotional state and i think that when we go from a more kind of grounded basis of of what we want to do right you want to engage with another person that's the reality of all of this and engagement can be done in so many different ways right so <laughs> you know you want to kiss someone right? You can lean in and try, right? Which is what we've all been taught. That's like the tradition. Or you lean in and then see if the person reciprocates. It's just like, uh, no, that's not really like the way to go for me personally. I feel that's a very old school way to go that is coming from a place of, of fear. It's coming from a place of rejection of thinking, oh, if I don't like just do it, you know, something else going, it's like, okay, let's not do that. Let's actually engage in a conversation and find out if somebody likes to kiss. So you can just ask the question, is kissing your thing? 
right? Yeah. That way you've already established if somebody's into that, you know, or actually mm, maybe not so much right now too soon. I'd hug you if you would accept my hug. So I think it's also about coming from a place of what kind of dialogue do you want to get into? What kind of back and forth do you want to get into with another person? You know, and how much you respect their opinion, you know, their, what, where they're coming from. Spot on for sure. And it's funny. I, uh, there, there's, I think of like films and I think of like in, even in like a fantasy scenario, like I think of, I don't know that this is true for everybody, obviously, but I think this resonates with a lot of women identifying people, male identifying as well. Uh, that, this idea of like of 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 you know the prince and Char- prince charming walking up and being like can i kiss you and like i never like that that's like that's consent that's like asking for it but it's like it is hot it like why don't we think of that as being hot cuz it is yeah. but like in yeah. all other there's like this one little corner where like you you're saying kissing like went like ding 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 in my head like there's this one corner of like kissing where it's hot to ask but then like everything else is like no it just kind of happens so we don't really discuss it and, yeah you know, yeah and now this is supposed to so anyway that thank you for making that ding in my head that was good good, <laughs> good connection moment for me if no one else <laughs> i think what's interesting too is like a lot of people see a situation as like playing out where you ask consent to kiss which then will lead to more than that but that's you did not you did not give consent to do more than that but people assume if you want to kiss me you're into me and therefore you want to do things that i want to do and it's so yeah, there's just so many. This kind of leads into my other, my next question for you, Kritia, which is like, there's all these problems with consent and how we've been taught and how we've been presented consent in media. Um, talk about Oh Yes, Please and Crowd House. What were those created out of? Um, was it a need that for education that you saw, or was it was it something else that was it was born out of? So. Um... Karada House, which is our queer artist collective space, um, is that was born of a need of us, the owners, being three queer folk, um, self-identifying as that and recognising we didn't really have safer space for us um, to actually do the things that we love. And, and And it's a lot of things around body and performance and art and all of that plus kink and BDSM. So and we it's felt fucking like beautiful what? and everybody needs to go watch all of the videos. Like <laughs> <laughs> the performances are insane. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Important interjection. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Corona House, I think the three of us have been friends for, I don't know, eight plus years. And we talked about it. Uh, we met in another space where I was volunteering and they were patrons of that space. Um, but none of us ever really felt completely grounded there. I think for my first two years of being there, I was definitely like really in it, but I could see various things that I found to be problematic. Um, and I decided to then pull myself out of that space and other personal stuff happened also. Um, and then we didn't see each other for a long time. And then when we got back together again, the idea was still there 
to find somewhere because I think we were waiting for something to happen. So we're I'm Berlin based. I'm originally from the UK. And in Berlin, it's like said to be like one of the queerest places on the planet, except there's no real dedicated space or there wasn't a dedicated space to queer folk. There's lots of different events and things like that that were going on, but there was not a dedicated space. Um, so we just went, ah, then, you know what, let's just try. And we were going to do it in 2020. Look how 2020 turned out. But 2019, actually, we found somewhere and we found a space for the project. And we said we'd do it for like a year and a half and then see. Um, fast forward to uh, COVID happening and we had to shift everything online, um, which was a major thing for me because I'm so used to doing this work in person. So it was the challenge of being queer, being marginalized um, and having to adapt as many queer folk do to a situation that is, is basically an emergency um, because we needed to continue to make money um, but we also wanted to continue to take care of our queer community. So we did several different things in that vein. Um, and as we started to bring things online, our audience expanded. And then we went, well, what would happen if we did this thing, you know, in a different way through a format that everybody could access, um, that is directed and aimed at queer folk, but everyone can, can participate in. And that's how Oh Yes Please was born, was this wanting to translate what was our ethos and ethics from an in-person space to an online platform for kink education uh, and sexuality exploration. So that's kind of how it happened, was because we had to adapt. Um, as intersectional marginalised folk, uh, we're often the last to be taken care of. We're the last to be seen, if we're ever seen. Um, and that's really what Karada House was about, was we wanted to be seen and we wanted other people to be seen also, um, who are often pushed to the side, who are often not considered, um, not talked about, not included. Um, so we wanted to find a space and, and create a space where we were included, where we were front and centre um, of deciding what we could do and wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And that's really what Karada House was all about, was um, to give us a safer space, but also to say to allies, yes, you're welcome to come, but understand that this is really a space that's dedicated to us, for us, so that we can express our sexualities in different ways and forms we can express our art, we can have our voice heard from a different place, one that's coming from, from our lived experience. So that's really where this whole thing kind of stems from, was that we really wanted a safer space and we wanted to be heard. And we realised we wouldn't get that unless we did something ourselves, which is often how these things are created and born. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, can you mention a few of the classes that you have available? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we, we really have a super full spectrum of classes when it comes to, um, 
yeah, just exploration basically. So there's pressure points, which is one of my favorites and one of the popular courses that we do, which is all about, you know, um, doing different, like literally doing pressure on various points, completely geeked out on that, on uh, Oh Yes Please, that has a course all of its own. Um, and there's recorded, there's recorded and there's, there's like live. Yeah, so Karada House is yeah. really, um, uh, we're allowed to go back to the physical space now. So that's where we actually do in-person workshops. And then of course, through Karada House, we also do live uh, workshops. Um, so that's us facilitating something for our audience. Um, and then, oh yes, please, is the recorded content. Um, so that's the stuff that you can just basically pay a fee for and access whenever. But we're always doing both now, in-person classes and online. Um, yeah, when you, when you realise uh, the opportunity you can offer to other people, because, yeah, so many people don't have access, especially queer and marginalised folk, especially women. Um, because we don't earn the same amount of money, we don't get the same amount of time, we don't have the same amount of privileges. Um, it's about giving as many options and opportunities as we can to folk to participate. Um, so with the online classes, we give away spots to folk who can't actually afford and you can just write to us um, at Corrado House and ask and request that if there's a course that you want to do and you want access and you really don't have funds. Um, we offer like a tier ticket system. So you can have a, like a, a solidarity ticket, which is a reduced rate ticket, a regular ticket and a supporter ticket. So a supporter ticket pays for part of. Um, and all of those things are like, just things we realized we needed to put in place to give access, right? To give access to people that wouldn't really have it otherwise. Um, and that's, I think that's the other thing that's really important. It's like when you decide that you want to include everyone, it's like, how do you also do that? Um, yeah, inclusively and respectfully. You know, I see you, I hear you, I want to support you, um, is different to uh, taking a very aggressive attitude and going, oh, everybody's the same. Because frankly, we're not. We're not all the same. We wish we were. We wish the reality was that we were all equal, but we're not. Yeah. Um, and when you're not, then you have to consider how else you're going to make something work or happen. Um, and I think that's why the whole consent topic is so huge, because many, many queer and marginalised folk um, are not asked. You know, it's just assumed that you'll do whatever it is that is happening um and that's one and, of the recorded classes right yeah 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 um boundaries consent negotiation is is like such a huge huge topic and in there we've we've given like our body of knowledge as far as we have it right now um it's evolving it's still a journey it's still one i'm i'm on and working my way through um but yeah, it's, it's really about giving yourself a voice also. It's like empowering everyone to recognize, oh, you do have a choice. You can make a decision and you can say yes to something and then realize actually, no, that isn't going to work for me right now. You can say no to something and, and be respectful about that 
and the other person, what you hope is, is the other person will give you a thank you because that gives them space to do something else, you know? And it's you respecting your boundaries then, um, which I think is something like you said, we don't, we're not taught. We're not taught consent. We're not taught about our boundaries. We're not taught about how to question and be curious about something. And accept you know, a we no. just assume. Yeah, and accept to know. Everybody thinks a no is rejection, that it's a personal attack on somebody. And I definitely want to offer and say, actually, a no is just somebody really respecting their boundary, right? Being respectful to themselves and respectful to you. Because if they cross their boundary, there's potential for resentment and falling out and conflict. It's just like, just accept a no for a no. <laughs> you know, then you can move on and do something else. With, with somebody who would give you a yes, an enthusiastic one, you know, a juicy, really into want that. And it makes a very big difference also to body chemistry. This is something that we've learned, um, is that when you say yes to something, your body behaves differently. Mm. When you genuinely want to do it with all of your being, your body chemistry gives over in a completely different way to something that you're not really fully consenting to. And for me, that was huge. That was really, really huge because especially with kink and BDSM, it's a really deep connection of trust that you're walking into. Yeah. It's huge. It's like you're, you're basically putting yourself on the line of going, actually, I really want to do this thing that puts me in quite a vulnerable, soft place. Even when from outside, it looks completely different to that. On the inside, you're really putting yourself in a really open, vulnerable place. And to be able to do that and to go into those states um, of full being, holistic being, a hell yes is what's needed. Like a genuine, informed, uh, shared responsibility, uh, understanding is needed to really dive in and I think that's true of any intimate practice even having a conversation like even having a conversation can be so intimate if you each have the permission of the other to really genuinely talk about the topic yeah and I find that so um, engaging and interesting to find out you know our different types of language and how we see things, you know, not to have something like expected or projected onto you or assumed about you, but to genuinely go, oh, actually, this is how I see it. Oh, I use the same label, but I see it slightly differently. Oh, where's that difference? Where can we actually come together and meet on that? Or where are we actually, oh no, we don't really agree and we're going to do something else. It's like, Yes, give me that. <laughs> give me that really, you know, in dialogue. Um, and I know it's challenging because some of us, I'm going to just fess up right now. I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, and it is challenging to sometimes want to get into conversations that are so intimate with folks. Yeah. You know? And at the same time, I realize how much more powerful it is both for me and for them when I can actually genuinely go, yes, this is something I really genuinely want to do. And I want to do it with you. Mm -hmm. A couple of things that stood out to me, in addition to enthusiastic consent, the informed consent. Yeah. What a, what a 
key keyword pivotal keyword um also obviously we're talking about the sexual realm and i think we wanted amanda wanted to ask a little bit in terms of like politics but i i i see this in or how this becomes political um politicized uh i see how i see this just clear crossover of us not being taught consent of us not being able to handle this rejection so we don't engage in consent and how that is just one how how the sexual conversation conversations around that are just one aspect of our lives where we are completely incapable of having this it also comes into political conversations and just pretty much anything that either challenges us or pushes our boundaries and i'm i'm having a another kind of like a fuck moment of like if this was an, a foundational thing that and, and i know some places are teaching this in in kindergartens um but we really need to be learning it that early on because it's a in my in my new theory appearing in my head right now it's affecting so many parts of our lives yeah I mean, this is what this is what I find really interesting about this whole topic. The reality is children already know how to do this. We teach them not to. And that makes me really sad because we don't listen to them. They know. They're already super clear about it. They already know their boundaries. But as adults, we we cross that. Mm -hmm. Like we don't pay attention to what they're saying. We don't listen to what they're saying. You know, children can be seen and not heard. This is something that still continues to perpetuate in our society today. And we put them in schools and the same thing continues to happen to them. So they don't do it. Mm -hmm. They don't do it, you know? So it's something that really from, like you said, from a foundational place, from the ground up, you know, from where you're being taught these, these, these ways of behavior is what you'll continue to do. Right. So if as a child, your consent is constantly violated, your boundaries are constantly crossed, that is something you're always going to do. And hopefully you can unlearn that. But why should you have had to have gone through that trauma in the first place when we could have done it in a much softer, easier way by respecting the child when the child says they don't want to do something? Mm -hmm. Right. Or finding better ways to communicate with a child yeah you know we children are, are majorly intelligent i've got two friends who have the most adorable boys and they know stuff <laughs> like they just inherently know stuff yes they need the boundaries they need that kind of safer space to be able to explore but they already know things right so if our education really considered that each of us has inherent knowledge and what we need is supporting in how we work through that as we grow and develop it would be so much nicer for all of us if we weren't so binary about everything you know we are complicated beings uh we found out there are 75 genders in the world we found out you know um doing all of this like so geeky ex you know exploring and experimentation um through kink and through body awareness 
like finding all this body chemistry stuff out why don't we find that out in school you know why don't we know that why don't we know how our bodies genuinely work right why do we have to wait to find this stuff out why is our sex education based on just pure anatomy and procreation why is it based on that why isn't it based on um yeah biochemistry and how our hormones work and how we develop and why is it why aren't there all kinds of different sexualities talked about yeah right why isn't that stuff normalized right because power somebody wants power over something that is actually very powerful our desire and our sexuality when we really own it it's one of the most powerful things that we have. No matter how you identify sexually or sexuality-wise or gender-wise, it's the most powerful thing you have, and it's the most sacred. And it should be so much more respected than it is. Like, no matter how you do stuff, no matter how sex looks to you, right? And for me, kink is sex. No matter how it looks to you, it should all be respected because we should be treating ourselves with care and loving attention. No matter what it is that we decide that we want to do and then just respecting, oh, my thing doesn't look like your thing, Amanda, but your thing is cool. It's just not my thing. But we don't do that because different is somehow not good. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing up the 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 power play into this because it was certainly going through my mind, um, and uh, yeah, not to go off on I, I'm 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 not looking to go off on a tangent here, but just other thoughts of like where this conversation could go and, and yeah. things that maybe could be good for people to think about is like without going into conspiracy theory or anything like that, like power withheld knowledge. Is, knowledge is power is yes has has routinely been used withheld yeah. withheld knowledge has routinely been used to to either keep people down or to keep people from seeing or being able to experience another side or version or fullness yeah. of something yeah. so if we are not taught that being able to express ourselves in a full capacity is even an option that's that's a withholding of power and that's that's in, in terms of resonating that just directly aligns with everything that we're doing, everything that we're about, that sex education and empowerment is a vehicle for peace, which starts in us yeah. and ripples outward. So it's like exactly, exactly what we're trying to, 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 to yeah. help. Yeah. And help I, and I think know. that's exactly where Karada house is coming from and where, Oh yes, please is coming from. It's yeah. just really to share knowledge so each person can be empowered. Yes. And that's right. why we wanted to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah. uh, I, I think each of us was very much you know went on our own different journeys the three of us and for me for example I'm a I'm what I called a late bloomer I'm somebody who my peers were all already having sex at like 13 and 14 and 15 and some of them even pregnant at that point and I was just not interested uh, and then I met somebody uh, when I changed my education from school to going to college 
And I realized very quickly the prince, princess narrative was not working for me, just not working. Um, and it took me a while to like, just tread that path of exploration of really getting rid of this narrative of how a dynamic can be that you meet this one and the one is everything. Um, and it's, you know, usually the first person that you want to have sex with and it's just like, Oh, that, that, ooh, that went out the window after like three months and breaking up with someone. Um, Cause I knew, I knew inherently that that wasn't how it was going to work for me and probably not how it works for the majority of the people in the world. Right. Um, but it's an old narrative that is coming from a historical place. You know, it's a, it's a narrative that's coming from conflict and wartime and trying to find stability and just connecting with, you know, all kinds of stuff. Specifically, I'm coming as well here from a Western perspective. Um, but we all have other parts, other aspects to us. And unfortunately, those other aspects have been othered and dehumanized. And now I would like to reclaim my humanity. And as somebody who's a person of color and a woman, um, and queer and kinky, as well as being a sex worker and a sex educator and an artist, it's like, I could not be any more intersectional. And yet at the same time, I recognize all the privileges I've had because I could get an education. I was brought up in the UK. Um, I was able to study. However, the system wasn't built for me. I just worked my way through it. Uh, because that was what I was told all that was possible. <laughs> right. And, and I feel like this is for me where the, the political aspect comes into it is because everything is political, whether we want, to, want it to be that or not. And I'm not talking about governors and politicians and all of this. I'm talking about the fact that we don't stay in awareness of what our stories are because our stories have been taken from us. Mm -hmm. You know, if I look at my ancestry, my ancestry is based in slavery. So I'm from the UK. My parents are from the Caribbean. Those islands were colonized. Those islands were colonized from uh, people being moved from their homelands of Africa. So it's like all of this informs where you're coming from. So it's like when you're engaging in any uh, practice, whether that be yoga or kink or going to cinema, right? It makes no difference. Everything has some kind of history behind it, has a story behind it, has a narrative. Mm -hmm. And to understand what that narrative is and just be aware of it. We're not like going, oh yeah, now you have to go and march on the street and no, we're just saying everybody needs to be aware of where they're coming from, where they've been and where the people before them have been to recognize it's a privilege to be able to have the freedom to have whatever sexuality identity that you have. If you're cis heterosexual male, great. But if you're queer, if you're a woman, you know, if you diverge from cis normativity, we've been completely undermined from the get-go. 
And then I was saying to you, can you just be aware of it? Can you just understand that not everybody's coming from the same place that you are? That some people are coming from a traumatized place that may be an ancestral thing, or it may be an actual thing that's happened right now in their lived experience. Just be aware of that and take responsibility for the thing that you want to do with this person. And don't just assume because you're into age play or race play, that that's what the other person wants also. What we want to do is really be in our, okay, let's recognize it. Let's have a discussion about it and see if that's something we want to engage in. And if it's not, then respect that we don't want to engage in that. Mm-hmm. So as a sex worker, I have been asked to do a lot of things. And one thing that really struck me was uh, uh, somebody contacted me and wanted me to hang them by the neck. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And now I get, so let's not get it twisted. He's asking, right? But what he's not keeping in mind is he's asking a person of color. He's a white cis person. Um, He's not thinking about my history. He's not thinking about the implications. He's not thinking about my safety. He's not thinking about his own safety. And I'm just like, no, I am not doing that. But it hit me more from an ancestral perspective Mm -hmm. to ask me to do that. Mm -hmm. And the non-thought that went into that request Right. And these are things I feel like people don't want to have discussions about because they don't want to be rejected. One. So it's fear of rejection. Two, don't want to be humiliated. So they don't want to look silly. Right. Three, they feel guilty or shame. Mm. And it's like, okay, if let's let's be honest, let's put all those things on the table. Let's understand them and then go, okay. But now what we want to do is really engage and play and be in trust with each other, be in connection with each other and really commune in a much deeper way, you know? And that really comes from genuine permission. That means genuinely grabbing all of the things you have and going, yes, this thing I definitely want to play with, but this thing not. Mm-hmm. And these two things, mm, they're my hard limits, right? And these things, ah, oh, I'm really curious about it, but maybe I need this, this, and this thing in place before I can do that. And then seeing if you, oh, okay, can I do that? Is this something I can genuinely engage in? And if it is, fantastic. If it isn't, then don't do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking in terms of the story and the narrative, which is also obviously a big part of what we're about, the biography, what your biography is, your current. Yeah life biography your sexual biography um in addition of of checking privilege and seeing what um ancestral trauma and wisdom you have and and, and being able to keep that in check it's also this opportunity how how we tend to 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 put it out as this opportunity to reflect which is also what you're getting at it's this okay here's what my story and narrative has been Let's check that out. Let's see if that's the, the, nor- the narrative that I actually want to continue. 
or exactly. if checking myself, I realize that princess fairy tale isn't what I wanted. Like you were saying earlier, like, thank you, reflective moment. <laughs> I now know <laughs> what I actually fucking want to do instead of just living out something I was told I need to. So it's just yeah. immensely important to know what these stories, what our story is and how yeah. we actually want to do it. As we phrase it, commanding our sexual biography, commanding our story, yeah. taking ownership of it and realize we're, we are an active player in it, not a passive participant. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I think it helps the narrative if we, you know, if we, if we just follow, you know, we don't really want to like engage. We just want to just follow. And it's like, okay, let me be honest. I don't want you to just follow. I want you to be with me. You know, I want you to be supportive of me and I want you to be with me. I want you to be present, right? I don't want you to be uh, finding yourself feeling resentful towards me because you did something you really didn't want to do. You know, I want you to feel empowered. Uh, I want you to feel, uh, yeah, hot and erotic and, and, and really present in your body, you know? Uh, I want you to, to really have fun. You want to say, I oh, yes, to... please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want you to say, oh, yes, please. You know, genuinely from a place where it feels really grounded and earthy and, and yeah, and, and full of curiosity and excitement. You know, I think, I think that's the thing that kind of we, we lose out on because we don't allow for the full spectrum of what sexuality can be. Yeah. You know, we miss, we miss out on stuff. You know, we miss out on genuinely connecting to ourselves firstly, because that's the first place you need to get consent from is from you. And then gaining consent and informed consent from the other person who you want to do this with or people, because you know, group stuff also fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I think it's also understanding that I always say that I talk in a language of kink and BDSM. I see power dynamics and hierarchies, healthy ones all over the place. Um, I see potential uh, ways to, you know, play and engage with the body and, and loosen people up. And I see, I see the creativity in it also. It's art. And yeah, totally. Um, I, I think, I think people don't always necessarily understand or get it because it's not perspective they've necessarily looked at. But I do think sex and sexuality is, is artistic and creative and it, and it can't, it's an energy. Yes. You know, it's a shared energy, you know, so whether you're, it, what it is, is yourself pleasuring yourself or if it is that actually you're being tied up in the form of Shibari, um, which is a practice I do. And, and really allowing yourself to surrender into that experience. It's, it's all about, um, yeah, understanding the language of the body and what's there in you and what's there for you mm -hmm. and how someone can hold space for you um, and how you can genuinely enjoy everything about your body and who you are and change and transform it. Oh. You know, and not stay... Um, 
I mean, we, we are often, I find people, we are so stuck. You know, we're so stuck in, in what's right <laughs> or not. Again, in the binary. And it's like, instead of seeing binary, I see spectrum. You know, I see a spectrum of genders. I see a spectrum of gen uh, sexualities. Um, and, and when we can really genuinely consent uh, and give permission, it's amazing what you can do and what your body will allow for. It's like the biggest adventure playground ever. <laughs> In my humble opinion, it's the most powerful thing. Our bodies, they're really powerful. And our bodies with our minds engaged, you know, and not just put to the side because, oh, I'm just gonna, no, but really like, what fantasies do you have? What desires can you share? Um, what really, really lifts you, uplifts you in, in your sex and sexuality life? And that's what kink is for me. Kink uplifts me. Yeah. It gives me so many different um, flavors and ways to engage with my own body and that of other people. And when I'm giving like a session, so I do private sessions for people so they can experience some of these, th these things. Um, I really want to give you the most holistic experience you can have, you know, coming from a place of holding space, genuinely holding space for folks. That's really where I want to come from. And I think that's another thing that I find challenging is like, we don't allow for sex workers to do what they do. Sex workers work. Yeah. Right. But sex workers do it from a place where they, they want permission from you to help you engage with you. That's what sex work's about. Right. Because sometimes you don't have the opportunity. You don't have the partner. You don't have the connections. And these people know, I know things that other people don't know. Uh, and that through Karada House, through Oh Yes Please, like the joy it gives me, like to be able to share the knowledge I have, to share the possibilities of something you could do differently. And it may only be a really small thing, right? You might realize that you have a fetish for uh, seeing somebody's hand move. It might be like the smallest thing, but it could make all the difference to how you engage with yourself and other people in the future in yeah. that. And for me, I'm like, just that is like, for me, mind blowing. Yeah. Right? Just really simple things. Really, really simple things. Uh, bring me so much joy. <laughs> bring me so much joy. I, f I feel really confident that we could probably talk for another five hours, the, the overlap <laughs> and the knowledge. And uh, th this has been really insightful and wonderful. Thank you. Um, surely due to time, I, I want to yeah. ask that if you could repeat the carnal theory that you brought for us today yeah, um, and let our listeners take that with them and think about all that we've talked about and how, how they, they might have some own questioning of their own biographies and, and narratives that they need to look at and, and think more okay. about and then how they can be more hopefully enthusiastic um, yeah. in the ways that matter. So my carnal theory is 
enthusiastic consent is sexy and desirable. Uh, mm -hmm. And I hold to that probably for the rest of my days. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to this episode. We hope it's given you something further to reflect upon. I know I'm, I definitely have some new insights and I'm really, really excited to talk to more people about this. Um, but reach out with any questions or insights on our Instagram page at Carnal Theory and definitely go check out everything that Karata has. Oh yes, please, Kritia. Um, she's on Instagram. Your social media is just at Kritia, super easy to find. Go give her a follow. Um, check out Karata House, which is karata-house.de or oesplease.org. The work they're doing is incredible and beautiful. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really, really. Thank you so much. Carnal Theory is produced by My Sex Bio. Our sound design is by Audrey Cohane and our theme music by Men the Universe. My Sex Bio is an educational platform built to empower people like you to take command of your sexual biography. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, and Spotify at MySexBio. Visit our website and join our e-letter at MySexBio.org and support our work by joining our Patreon. Thank you.